This is Vietnam's Renovation, Renovation Generation. Sonic portraits of young minds reshaping the country's future. <laughs> Policy researcher and columnist Kavazet Nguyen believes there is a need to give civil society a voice and that this can happen without major political reform. We live in a post-ideological world in which there is no one-size-fits-all answer for complex situations. Small victories need to be acknowledged, like seeing the positive changes to the energy in downtown Hanoi, achieved by turning the busy area around Han Kim Lake into a pedestrian zone on evenings and weekends. It may not be enough, but it's certainly something. It's very relaxed. Nice. So this is the first time that you've seen a development like this? Yeah. You know, in Hanoi, it's, it's total, a total breakthrough because this area is very big. There are no motorbikes, just street musicians, skateboarders and young families taking their kids out for a day. For our 18th episode, we took a walk with Zhang around the lake. Okay, my name is Nguyen Khat Zhang. Uh, I'm 28. Uh, I don't disagree with other, uh, you know, with activists like really like strong activists that oppose to the government, opposed to the way that the government is controlling the society. But I think that in the, in the big society, you have the people at the periphery, you know, the people who actually like try to break it. And then you have the middle man, you know, the people at the middle who want to be activists, but actually they approach uh, a way that could, you know, accommodate the government and the people in a, you know, in a uh, milder way. Is not that where strong. you are? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's um, it's more effective to walk that way. The new pedestrian zone proved to be louder and livelier than we had anticipated, and we quickly retreated to a cafe at the Hotel de l'Opera on Changchun Street to continue our conversation. Let's go find a coffee somewhere. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, Drink. Yeah, we'll just have... Oh, that is a big menu. Uh, can we just have some coffee? Sam was born to a mother who worked for a state-owned candy factory and a father who was a builder and he was raised in Nghe'an, most famous for being Ho Chi Minh's place of birth. Firstly, I, even I won't, wouldn't be born if the Mai didn't happen. You said you wouldn't be born if yeah, the Mai yeah. Why? Because the Dome happened in uh, 1986, for example. I was born in 1988. So if there would you know, not be you know, such a good change, uh, change like that uh, in the society, Maybe my, my father and my mother didn't meet each other. And there are other things in Zhang's life that wouldn't have been possible pre Doi Moi. He got his master's degree in journalism, media and globalization in the UK and Denmark, and has made a name for himself writing about a broad range of issues. His day job is at the Vietnam Institute for Economic and Policy Research. The university is actually the biggest state-owned university in Vietnam. On paper, I work for the government, but my institute is a kind of like a kind of independent, quasi-independent institute uh, within the university. So it means like they, they make a room for us to, to, to work, but they don't pay the salary. So we have to go out and do research projects with the government or with the international agencies or with the international NGOs, stuff like that. Researching policy, writing about political issues, being opinionated about what changes Vietnam needs, is Zhang a politician in the making? You know, any, anything can happen in the future. But um, right now, I think uh, I'm not really uh, suitable for you know, a political career. I possibly, I want to be a political advisor, but not really to be a politician. 
Why don't you think you're suitable for a political um, Because um, there are several reasons. Uh, for the personal reason, uh, I think that my personality is a bit like low-key, you know, not really extrovert, not really outspoken, uh, not too uh, communicative, you know, to the public life. Second reason, in Vietnam, if you want to be a politician, uh, you need to have really strong uh, network. If I don't have really, you know, strong connection, then it's very hard for me to start from the, you know, from the scratch and get into higher, you know, uh, decision-making uh, mechanism of the, of the state to make some type of change. So how can the individual make a change? It depends on the uh, capacity of, uh, you know, different uh, people in the society to decide which kind of way you want to, to, to work for the, you know, the greater good of the society. Some people are good at economics, some people are good at politics, uh, some people that, you know, good at playing music. But when it comes to creativity and the arts, something is lacking in Vietnam. Vietnamese has uh, long forgotten that uh, arts or literatures can have a huge impact in their life. Uh, before, uh, we only think about you know, economics and business. There are something that can change your life. Uh, maybe because of that approach, after, you know, for the past 30 years, we neglected you know, the, you know, the more personal or the more emotional side of the Vietnamese people. And that, he believes, means something is amiss. Money can change you from the you know, appearance, the way you wear, the way you think about something. But when you change your emotion, change your personality inside, it would you know, um, have long-lasting effect. Changes in personal taste and emotion is something he is well familiar with. Comrades and friends, our entire people from north to south close to United. As uh, many other young Guyanese, you know, the people from Guyan, we I also admire Ho Chi Minh for when I was uh, quite young, until I, you know, I, I went to university or so. So when I, you know, get a little bit, uh, um, you know, more mature and uh, you know, understand a little bit more politics, and uh, and then I stop really like idolizing anybody. Keeping critical distance is key. It's better to not idolize any kind of uh, people or any kind of uh, policies. But uh, when you uh, idolize the person himself, and then you will, you know, make excuse of the mistake that he or she will, you know, possibly make. But when you uh, analyze uh, at, the, at their policies or at their speeches or at their actions, then it's better to, to know that which is good or which is bad, and then you can learn from it. When did he start thinking differently? So it even so uh, coincide with the time when I graduate from my uh, university. So at that time, it's, it's, it's kind of like very, uh, very uh, contradictory uh, feeling about you know, what you learn from university and what actually happened outside. Some people who have connection get very good, you know, good place to work. Some very nice, very, very bright young people from my class and from my, my generation. They're, ex they're excellent, but they, because they don't have any kind of connection, they can't get into some, you know, some, some of the, the, the workplace that they really want to. It took quite a lot of cobbling together information he hadn't encountered through official channels for Zan to get a full picture of the situation, made possible by the abundance of online sources. We, we watch it on the internet. That's, that's, you know, <laughs> that's a good thing about you know, globalization and uh, internet. That I think most of the people now in Vietnam, they, young people, they don't watch uh, television, but they watch YouTube, they watch internet, they use uh, Pirate Bay, you know. 
What do you think about all this illegal stuff that people download? And of course, it's morally it's, it's wrong to you know steal from other people, like you know intellectual property. But uh, I would think that it's uh, it's kind of like um, a necessity evil you know, to do because in you know within the case of Vietnam. The problem with the content produced in Vietnam, he says, is that there is not enough diversity of information and history, especially when it comes to the long period of war. In Vietnam, we only have one side of history. So the, it's a victor's uh, narrative. Uh, the Communist Party, they take the war to war and they write the history according to their ideology. So it makes you know, less uh, diverse uh, literature, uh, books and arts and films for the people to actually look into the, this specific period of history in Vietnamese history. So what does this result in? 80 or 90 percent is a lack of, uh, you know, eagerness or lack of the, the willingness to actually look at the, the past. Uh, it, it's, I don't blame it for the young generation, but they, you know, uh, gradually they um, get a little bit bored of learning history. And they don't really want to, to look into that because they say, okay, that's own victory, own glory, and that's it. There's nothing else in the world. We lost like two million men, young blind men, and we won the war. We won the, against the biggest uh, country in the world, and that's it. Zhang has some ideas about how this could improve for future generations. So if you want a young generation to be more aware of what is happening uh, you know, in the world, or what happened in the past, or what's going to be happening in the future, the state should give more you know, freedom for the, you know, for the society to do what is uh, their you know, the best capacity, is to give the uh, you know the public uh, what they want to want to hear what they want to listen for example the state cannot like sponsor um, a writer to write a book about the, the history of, of Vietnam and then you know make other people interesting in it is he ever worried that voicing his opinion in this way and publishing it on his blog could get him in trouble and I think it's, it's not it's not really um, too dangerous to, to be as outspoken as, as I am because I think I'm, I'm quite moderate. That is to say that though Zhang is calling for more freedom of expression and the creation of a functioning dialogue between the civil society and the state, he doesn't think this needs to mean that the whole system be changed. Okay, if you want to overthrow the, the regime, then what's next? Okay, you want to have democracy. Well, probably it could be like Duterte, like Philippines, and. It doesn't make sense for us to have a, that kind of chaotic society. So the thing, in my opinion, I want to take a uh, de-idealized uh, approach. I don't want to, you know, get into a trap that uh, our, you know, other ancestors, our fathers uh, took. That we focus too much on, on ideology. He thinks there is another way. I don't think it's important to define which countries or which system is you know, more or less democratic than other, but to make it, you know, a better place by implementing the, the policies that are benefiting the people. I want to take a more like pragmatic uh, approach, like the way that Singapore has been doing. That you want, if you want to make a better place, better country, a better society, you better change it, uh, you know, step by step. Always this policy is bad and you want, you know, you have to, to voice out your concerns. You have to use your, uh, critical thinking to you know make it better policy not to overthrow 
Anything else? His musing that democracy may not be the only workable future is very much in line with thoughts of his current reading material, which is um, The Origin of Political Order by Francis Fukuyama. A scholar Zhang admires for his ability to admit he was wrong. When he wrote uh, The End of History in uh, 1989, he decided that the ideological um, you know, war uh, ended with uh, the victory for the liberalism. But after 20 years, uh, he you know, kind of like reversed his kind of idea and he knows that the, the war is more complicated. So that, that, that's what I, I think uh, is, uh, I think that he's a very, very great intellectual because of that, because he's, he, um, he can face the fact that he, he possibly wrong in the past. But he's the kind of brave enough to to you know, voice about that and to dig in more of the issues that he want. He, he thinks that is important. Zhang believes he's not the only one thinking along the lines of post ideology. Because I have the feeling that uh, because I we were born during the time that are a little bit like mixed of everything, capitalism, communism, uh, globalization, internet, everything is you know happening. I think that the the, the next generation is a little bit more like you know, depart, departing from what we are now, that they don't have no ideology at all. And that makes him cautiously hopeful. So I think that for the next uh, generation, it's going to be a better, you know, hopefully a better Vietnamese uh, society for us to live in. But it's, I think it's um, dependent on what we are now, on what the current generation is doing, because if we can't do anything to improve our life, to protect our environment, to protect our forests, and to demand for more, you know, positive changes from the, the, the regime. Then the next generation will be worse off. You never know, because the future is uncertain. This has been the Renovation Generation. Follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to The Renovation Generation on iTunes, Stitcher or Mixcloud to never miss an episode. Cloud, 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 cloud. SoundCloud. Cloud. Cloud. It is produced by Eliza Lomas and Fabiola Bukele. Our production assistants are Chang Yim and Chang Ngo. Jack Smith is our photographer. The narration is done by me, Maya Do. An And of Other Things production. For episode 19, we finally catch up with our long-held lady crush, Suboi, in her native Ho Chi Minh city, to talk to the fierce rapper about being a female role model, reading Tin Yat Hang, and the lessons learned from having your trust abused.